stand firm and unwavering when we say Black Lives Matter. The extra stimuli because... Okay. So welcome to the Truth to Power Show on Radio Fear Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan. And with us today's co-host, Scott Raven. Welcome, Scott. Hey there, VJ. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. So uh, our special guest is Wanda Phipps, who is a writer living in Brooklyn, New York, and born in Washington, D.C. She studied theater and English literature uh, at Barnard College of Columbia University in New York City, uh, acting at the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, and poetry at Naropa Institute at Boulder, Colorado. She's the author of Field of Wanting, uh, Poems of Desire, Wake Up Call, 66 Morning Poems, Your Last Illusion, or Break Up Sonnets, um, Silent Pictures Recognize the World, and Rose Window, or Persetas, uh, Lunch Poems, and the, um, After the Mishap, the chapbook After the Mishap. So, uh, welcome, Wanda. Hi. Hi, hi. <laughs> so, why don't we start the conversation off a little bit about what inspires you oh. as a poet? Oh, you forgot to mention this. This is oh, my new yeah, book, that's Mind the actual Honey. One you're holding. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Mind Honey. Mind Honey is the new book. Yeah, that's right. Brand new book, yeah, book of poetry, right. full book you, yeah. out by Autonom Media. Thank you, thank you. And what am I supposed to be talking about now? So, my what passion? inspires you? What inspires you as a poet, or what inspires, <laughs> what inspires you as a writer? Me? Yeah. Um. Well, everything, like life in general. But I think I usually, I don't know. I I write a lot about interpersonal relationships and, um. The concept of of spirituality and connectedness and disconnectedness and that kind of feeling, that sort of disruption in communication or in sort of like energies like coming together and, and apart. Yeah. Uh, I know Naropa does a lot with that. I'm actually studying Naropa right now. Oh. So Naropa does a lot with kind of mindfulness and, That's true. and That's spirituality. True. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that really connected with you. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yes, yeah. it did. Actually, I yeah. studied um, when I when I was at Naropa um, during the summers. Like once I studied uh, meditation with uh, Allen Ginsberg, which was pretty cool. Oh wow, <laughs> nice, nice. With actually Al. Yeah, Alan. yeah. I, like I like, know him by <laughs> by the first name. Yeah, like very early in the morning, we're mm-hmm. sitting yeah. on our zafus, and yeah. You know, and I said, "Do I have to stare straight ahead and not blink?" He said, "Well, you can blink, but." You know, try not to blink. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. It's funny. Yeah, so, it's funny. so at that point in kind of your literary life, were, were you more into kind of the mindfulness aspect or the poetry aspect? Where did kind of the interest in kind of language, poetry uh, in general start for you? Oh, my goodness. Um, really early. I think like when I was in the third grade or something, I started writing poems sort of like I was like earlier, I was writing these kind of nursery rhyme type things and showing them to my mom and she showed them to like her friends in the um, hair salon and they're all going like, oh, that's great. And oh, so I was encouraged great. to keep going. And then I had a teacher in, in third grade who um, thought I had some talent. So she pointed me in direction of like um, some poets she thought I would like. And I started to try to imitate them. Um, great. And, and so you were imitating them kind of in, in tone and voice. Now, were you, were you, performing the poetry at that time even yeah. it was all no, it's just so- writing it but i mean i did i guess i did some readings there were readings and um a little later i was interested in in theater and um so i did a few plays when i was like younger and um but mostly the poetry was written and i entered a few i won a few contests and things like that when i was younger and oh, i was inspiring wonderful. and now was this in san francisco or this was out, I, this was in dc in dc first in washington dc 
And, um, and then I came up to New York. Well, originally I thought I was going to be a journalist, but then I, I changed my mind. So I, I went to Barnard because I thought I was going to go to uh, Columbia J School after. But then I got sort of distracted by theater again. And right, so right. I ended up majoring in, um, they don't have this anymore, but it's a major called Program in the Arts. Just sort of like a general overview kind of of all of the arts and then you could choose like your a concentration which is like your minor so i had like first i started as an english major and then i switched to program in the arts and then i had a theater concentration so oh great yeah. uh can you talk about maybe an early uh theater a play that you were in or something that that you um that I was in. where where did you feel a connection to the language of 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 the play uh well i mean I think like when I was still in high school, I was really inspired by um, Intazaki Shange and her um, For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Was Enough. Mm. And I saw that like on Broadway and it, the whole idea she had of the choreo poem right. of like the performed poem and it flowing with like movement and, and dance and music. And I love that, like the way um, a poem could be performative. And also when we were studying like the Greeks, which was sort of the beginning of poetry as sort of this... Uh, theatrical event like the the chorus right i think i saw that play in 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 college as well i was just reviewing it i was like it's like the it's like the antithesis of reservoir dogs you know with like mr pink (laughs) mr Mr. red and and then the lady in red lady (laughs) just like from completely different the lady in red and the lady in orange yeah yeah yeah. that's 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 true right yeah i was also interested in um returning to the idea of like like your ideas about spirituality and, and returning to like, you know, you're talking about one consciousness, like connects us all. Like, what is it? What, tell us a little bit more about that. We were talking about like, what is your ideas? Like is it collective and conscious or is there any kind of particular tradition you, you derive that from or? Um, I, I don't think I'm, I don't know, tied to any one particular tradition, maybe more Buddhism than anything else or like mm-hmm. sort of Eastern thought. But yes, that idea of, the collective unconscious, but also yeah. of yeah, this greater consciousness that we're all a part of, um, and we all kind of are these uh, expressions of as individuals. Um, but sometimes we forget that we're actually all connected. Yeah, really. In this other way, I think you were saying about like how it helps us overcome the kind of negative emotional, um, right? Like all the emotional, ne- neuroses, neuroses yeah, and- being separate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's like how it's like healing, like just remembering that we're not separate is one of the major key factors of like, you know, because that, that anxiety comes from like thinking we're separate from the whole, you know, I think That's is what true. you were saying. Yeah. Sort of like yeah. ego kind of fallacy that yeah. we're all separate and alone, but we're not really. Right. Yeah. So, so I'd like to talk a little bit about kind of the difference between, I guess, performing uh, in a play versus performing your own thoughts and, and emotions within a poem uh, and kind of how that relates to what we're kind of talking about a little bit as well of you know when you're in, you're in a play you know it's it's, it's a character often but you're bringing uh, yourself uh, where did that switch happen for you and, and do you feel kind of a difference uh, between those two you know you know when you're reading maybe somebody else's lines or when you're then reading kind of your own uh, experiences well, I'm definitely more connected to my own work because, you know, it's, it comes from me, from my, my mind and my experience. And But I guess, like, 
even when you're in a play, you're you're bringing yourself to it in your own experiences mm-hmm. and um, and reading someone else's poetry as well is sort of it's what speaks to you and what touches you and that's how you approach it, right? So right, right. Oh, so and you've had experience with that too, reading choreo poems or reading with uh, yeah everybody working on another person's poem to bringing that to to life and stuff like that. Yes. So yes. would you we are you bringing I guess your own experience to the performance of it or delivering it or uh, trying to the collective of everybody's experience into that reading. Well, I think that would kind of be impossible to bring everyone's experience into. <laughs> into but yeah, I, on a personal individual level, I try to connect with. And I think like the more sort of um, specific it is, the more sort of other people can identify with it because it seems real. It's not if it's really specific and it's very detailed, um, you know, like their exercises in acting. I think you probably know about like... Um, sense memory or like and all that that idea about the madeleine and like proust where you know uh your senses can bring back really strongly memories from um earlier in your life i think those like specific things help other people identify because it it feels real to them like you know right yeah and going into like those techniques and craft and and uh what what are some helpful techniques or or applications in your own writing that also were you able to cross, like uh, apply some of the things that you know you did in acting to your writing and some of the examples of that, um, like how are you able to use a technique or a, or a methodology? The craftsmanship. I don't know. Yeah. I think I do, but I don't know if I think about it consciously. Right. You yeah. know, because I look at the, it's like I, it starts with a text and I look at the text and then I guess I do, like I mark it up in the same way I would like a script. You know, I mark up places where I want to sort of settle more and um, give more space to. And I, I think like when I'm working on a poem to read and thinking about the performance of, of the poem, I think more of um, the outer mechanics, sort of mm. like pausing here and emphasizing there, or like you know making sure I can pronounce that word, and like, yeah. and then whereas if I was thinking about a character, I would think more about more about images in my head and bringing that to life, and you know what I mean. Mm. Right, right. So in your in your poems, are are you mainly the speaker? in your poems or you're often writing from other perspectives because it's all the time you know like i guess when something is so close to the home when you are reading it you can plan it out as much as you can but it might take you uh by surprise every every time you do it and it does that's true it does but i i write mostly from my own it's mostly my own voice but every once in a while you know like i overhear things that are beautiful and these conversations and these and I throw them in there into the poem. I have this sort of like maximalist kind of, I don't know if that's a word, yeah. maximalist idea of including everything. Yeah. Um, and that really connects to the whole idea of like, you know, the conscious expansiveness of the consciousness and, mm-hmm. and kind of like not kind of like, like we, it expands and it contracts, but, you know, we have a, a kind of expansiveness of the consciousness, including other people's voices and other people's. So I think that really falls in line with what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So going into like, uh, so you had many different publications and, and as you progressed, tell us a bit of like how your interests or how the focus changed or if it did or, and how, 
things, you know, and the different kind of collections you had, um, how your kind of interests have grown over the years. Yeah. Hmm. How have they grown? Or have they just shifted? Or is there any, like earlier on when you're writing, did you have different or is it kind of a, a deepening, would you say? Or like, tell, well, you can just, we can start with your last collection maybe. And then uh, what what are the themes or what oh. are the, yeah. Well, that's, I don't know. The last collection is kind of interesting because there's a lot of older work in it and yeah. I sort of like threw it in there and then there's a little bit newer stuff in there. Yeah. But um, I sort of organized it in sections. Uh, sections um, around certain themes. Yeah, that's interesting when you say it's from different time periods. Yes. And I can, you know, relate to that a little. Like when something's ready to come out, it will come out uh-huh. in in yeah. that way, right? When when something that might have happened ten years ago finally, like, yes, able to to put yeah, that into the true. world that you're you're okay with it. Um, I guess what he was getting at is, you know, whether as much as you're willing to share of, of what was going on in your life during these three books, um, you know, like, um, and has that kind of change where where you were and your relationship to the material i haven't uh, thought about that a lot i'd right. have to think yeah. that like my first full-length book um wake up calls uh 66 morning poems was kind of an experiment of like waking up every day and like writing the first thing in the morning uh-huh. and um the poems that came out of that and i was inspired by other people who were doing uh morning poems and the poems um right before uh, sleeping and that sort of in between state, you know, between like waking and sleeping or like sleeping and waking, <laughs> that sort of hypnagogic or hypnopompic state. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, one of my mentors and a, a writer I really love is uh, Bernadette Mayer. And one of my favorite books of hers is um, Midwinter Day, or is it Midwinter's Day? But it's it's a it's a full length book and it's a book length poem the whole whole book is a poem but it alternates uh sections of prose and sections of poetry and it follows the day into the evening and in the beginning it starts writing a she writes about the dreams of uh the night before and it's just a, a beautiful book wow that is book. that a play on midsummer's night dream that title um, i guess or i don't know i've never like really asked her about that yeah but, yeah um yeah it's just really a beautiful book and i wanted to see like what was going on in my head first thing in the morning and then yeah. actually in, in in my book a lot of sort of dream imagery came out like descriptions of dreams and sort of like just waking and having like unusual thoughts and visions and that went in there and then also dreads about the day to come came into that so that was that that was my first book was that one experiment yeah i, I want to talk a little more about that so are you you retain uh, often your dreams from the night before in enough that you're able to kind of you were able to jot, jot them down and because I often they, they they leave upon waking up unless you know maybe a tape recorder I've heard to keep near or but uh, you were able to kind of wake up and then immediately put a thought down or yes oh wonderful yes. and still still maintain well, that practice um, a little I try like sometimes I can't remember my dreams, but I feel really I feel like something is missing if I don't remember my dreams for a long period of time. It's like, what's going on? It's like I'm not in co- contact enough to like my subconscious or something. It's not like I'm not having access to that. And that right. upsets me. <laughs> but I remember when I lived in San Francisco, I was so interested in dreams. Um, 
I was looking into all these different ways of trying to remember my dreams and trying to record them. And I was using like, there's like a William Burroughs technique where you take like zinc and I forgot what the other thing is, zinc and something else to like make you have more vivid dreams. Oh, interesting. And then um, I was, re- I read this book about lucid dreaming and mm-hmm. I tried all these yeah. different techniques of like sitting, you know, with your, your elbow, you know, up and your hand up. And, and then <laughs> when it fell down, you're like falling into sleep and it would stop, wake you up. And then if you were dreaming anything, you could write it down. Oh, yeah. That's Patches. So when I would quit smoking, like uh-huh. I would put Nicaragua patch on. I have very vivid dreams during those times. Oh, really? Yeah, with, oh. the, with the Nicaragua patch on. They actually have a warning, like gives lucid dreaming, gives, gives vivid dreams. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but have you ever like been able to have a lucid dream where you know that you're dreaming in the dream and you can direct it? Yeah, a little bit. Really? I mean, it's still, there's still a sense of like, you know, like I, for example, like one time in the dream, I'd be like, oh, I'm in the dream. And I'd be like, let me try to fly. But there's still like a sense of like, there's still a dream consciousness there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not quite the same of, you know, but still I'm able to recognize that I'm in a dream, yeah. in the dream. But yeah. I know last night I had a dream that I was in studio, we we're doing the show. Oh, nice. And then uh, we had a studio audience, though. <laughs> so it was very, <laughs> so very nerve wracking. <laughs> oh, like all of a sudden, people were like making comments and, 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 and uh, they're hecklers. Yeah, they're hecklers. Yeah, there's a Waldorf and Staff yeah. there, the Muppets up there. Just, yeah. <laughs> 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 you have to be like, I don't know, like Johnny Carson or yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Or yeah. Right. Did you have comebacks for the hecklers? No, I just, I remember that they, then they started applauding and I was like, they, they, kept, they wouldn't nice. stop. You know, it was like, <laughs> I was like, we have to go on with the show. Uh, wow. Now, have you ever had a, a, a dream that has then led you to either change something or look at your life, your your wake, waking life in any, uh, any particular way? Um, like... Oh, I remember. So I was just thinking of the movie and Waking Life too. Yeah. Oh, I love right? that movie. Fantastic. Oh, that's one of my favorite movies. Right? Waking where, Life. For, yeah. where they use the rotoscoping, oh, where, yeah. where they painted it's like beautiful, so beautiful, I love, I so beautiful. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that movie, but I don't. Uh, it doesn't come close. Can, can you just give a brief uh, overview of the? Well, the rotoscope. T- I mean, you know, it's just a collection of kind of these lucid dreams. Lucid. Too, of a kind of guy floating through through the city. Um, yeah. And a Richard Linklater film, who you know did the uh, Boyhood and yeah. Kind of, um, so yeah, plot yeah. wise, I I couldn't tell you really. <laughs> but it's really cool because every scene um, had a different sort of technique of like art because a different artist did every scene, uh, which is yeah. so it's like mutates into this different sort of visual uh, language. Yeah. As you go through it, and it's about this guy who, I guess he's like trying. He he wants to be a lucid dreamer, and so he's trying to find out all these different techniques to be aware of him of what's going on in his dreams. And then it turns out he's actually really dreaming, and mm. and then he can't figure out whether he's dreaming or he's awake. But he also has these kind of interviews. He runs into all these different people who are like philosophers and have all these ideas about the meaning of life. And mm. it's wonderful. It's a wonderful movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, one thing about dream analysis I think I understood is that um, you know, a lot of times they have these, you know, dream dictionaries, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, be- the basis of it is like to associate, free associate with the dream. So in other words, like, you know, you have to like, if you have a dream about a hammer, for example, is like really free associating. Like if you would explain what a hammer is to someone who didn't know what a hammer was, like free associating, what does it mean to you? 
what right. is the interpretation? So like how the do you associate with test, it? Like, yeah, like yeah. really getting to the, the idea images. of like yeah. how you associate with the images in the dream rather than like some objective, you know, um, dictionary definition. Mm -hmm. But rather, what does it mean to you, and what is and what do you associate with those images? Hmm. You know, free associate mm -hmm. with those images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, VJ, what does it mean to you if there's an, a studio audience and they're all applauding <laughs> yeah. and they yeah. won't stop? True. Yeah, it's an interesting like validation there. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it's like it like the you? combination of like um, you know being put on the spot and suddenly getting caught unawares or this kind of thing. These kinds of anxieties. I think that's a cool idea yeah. for for a play. Yeah. There, well, there's the the show like twenty four hour radio hour or something. Yeah. A play where the play is it's like a radio show that's actually happening. Really? Uh, and yeah. It's just fun to be an audience, you know, seeing and then you see while they're on air, but then you see while they're off, mm. uh, which that I mean, I just think it would be a cool idea for for a, for a play, too. Wasn't if there, there was an actual audience here. Where, yeah. Where, like, Wasn't there an Eric Bogosian talk radio? Yeah, talk radio, yeah, yeah. right. Which was they, a collection a of, of monologues. I right. Believe. Yeah, it was a, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I liked yeah. him a lot. I liked his work a lot when he was doing. Yeah, me yeah. me as well. Um, yeah, Bogosian, Spalding Gray. I don't know oh, if yeah. I really enjoyed yeah. some of his work. Yeah. I had an internship at the Worcester Group for a oh. while, but mm -hmm. yeah, he was already gone. He wasn't involved. Right. Now, have you ever had desire for uh, a one-person show? Uh, or have you, you know, have kind of putting together... Say again? Have I ever had the desire for a one-person show? That's funny. Well, or did you done one that I'm not aware of? That No, no, I haven't done one. But but did you? Have I have you, thought about it, right? Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. I mean, even though I studied acting and I did a lot of theater, mm -hmm. I'm not like a natural performer. I have like huge stage fright, <laughs> and so I don't know. I don't know. I much rather see other people perform my my work. Oh, okay. So yeah. put put together your stuff. That would be cool. Right. Right. Yeah, and I have had like the theater company I work with, Yara Arts Group, like. Bits and pieces of my poetry and some scenes that I've written have been performed in, in their shows, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Bogosian, the, uh, what's his name? Spalding Gray. Gray. Then Danny Hawk, have you heard of too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I used Danny to do some one-person shows. I'm trying yeah. to think of female one-person shows that I've liked too. It was oh, Dale Orlander-Smith, I loved when she was doing, she was around the time of Danny Hawk. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if I'm, I'm familiar. She's an actress too. Right, poet, but she did some one-woman shows. And, so why don't we give um, you a chance to read some of the poetry? Oh. <laughs> We're starting to hit about the halfway mark, oh, yeah, so okay. it'd be good to read a few of the poems and and you can give some. We can yeah, give us a little part. kind of uh, anecdotal intro if you if you'd like, or or uh, set, set the stage for a piece from. Mine, honey. You don't have the dream book with you now, do you? Since we were just talking on that. The dream book? Oh, you mean that the that first, first book, book that you were No, working. actually, I didn't okay. bring it. That's oh, it. sorry. No, this will lead into it. We'll yeah. talk a little bit about uh, you know where, where some of the poetry is now. Oh, here's one that's kind of, it's not really, it's, well, it was kind of like a waking vision, so almost like a dream. This is, I wrote this like um, when I went with Yara Arts Group to Siberia, like to do research. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, for wow. a piece, and that was amazing. And I got to like sit in on a, a shaman ceremony, and it was pretty wild. It was very beautiful there, too. But this was uh, written there. It's called The Glowing Woman, The Glowing Mother. My head keeps coming back to the same stubborn thoughts, my head in your lap 
your hand on my cheek, spooning with my arms around you, generating heat, your arm around my shoulder, your thigh against my thigh, my feet curled beneath your back, your hands kneading the back of my neck. I closed my eyes, and you were on the ground, lying on your stomach in a forest, green everywhere, dense. You were looking up at the vision in front of you, a beautiful woman with light shining all around her, and yes, light shining from her also. And you fell in love instantly, lying at her feet. Then the same thoughts. My finger in your mouth, our simultaneous smile in the middle of the night. Wow. Oh, yeah, quite the the intimate poem right there. Yeah, um, <laughs> love it. How about that studio audience? Uh, right. <laughs> Just saying. Um, no, but I actually had that vision of like the woman in the forest, and like we were doing research about this kind of legendary kind of mythic uh, Boreat princess. So she was mm. kind of like a goddess in a way. So I had I was having this vision about her, and when my eyes closed and then i created like this other sort of scenario surrounding the vision for the poem nice nice was kneading k-n-e-a-d or n-e-e-d because i was thinking hands kneading just like a necessity to touch the neck as well uh but i know the kneading right uh, in that respect um love it so i i guess a follow-up of when you're creating do you prefer to create uh in isolation or around other people as you're as you're creating um, you know, writing a poem, having kind of like immediate feedback with people in a workshop setting, or oh. like, all right, I want to separate myself from uh, from others to really focus in on on what I'm what I'm crafting. I don't like writing in workshops. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like writing alone, but I can be surrounded, like in a cafe or a bar, by other people. Yeah, you uh-huh. know, or on the subway. I love writing on the subway. Yeah. And listening to all the conversations and getting bits of like cool stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm, when you mentioned Siberia, I'm thinking of more isolation too. Is that? Can you describe a little bit of kind of what it was like? Well, it was there? an isolation for me because I went with like a right. small group so of, a, um, you know, like there was like an actor and there and there were a couple of actors who and singers who lived there, um, and they were traveling with us. And then the artistic director and there was a. Um, uh, the music director, composer, um, and the designer. And so we're all in this big van. And, <laughs> and on the outside of the van, is called the, uh, the Saloon of Grace. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. Yeah. And um, we had our driver. And um, uh, when we're in, this, in the cities, like in Ulan Uday, we would stay at like... Uh, people's homes who are friends of the actors. And then like when we went out into the villages, we stayed in home, their relatives' homes, but traveling from place to place, they were all talking about um, the spiritual element. There were all of these um, stupas, like these little um, shrines mm. along the road. And you were supposed to stop along the road and like give this sort of tribute with vodka, you know, throwing to like the four directions and then like you know, throwing it back. So there was a yeah. lot of, we were, Drunk a lot. <laughs> they drank a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where do you fly into there? What What is the nearest airport? Um, it's It's. Let's see. When When 
I can't remember. I think we went into, I think we had to go to Moscow and then change to another. Another, yeah. just closer airport, Moscow. Yeah. Another, there were two, yeah, there are two airports in Moscow and we had to go from one to the other and then take another train. Yeah. yeah. Wow, what an experience. Um, yeah, no, it's really fascinating and getting into the cultural aspects of it, like the, the, um, you know, and the different, the, tell us, tell us a little bit about like the different aspects to like just generally travel and, you know, how, where else have you been and where else have you kind of immersed yourself in? Is there anything else that you'd like to key in on or? Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody was grounded for a while. I, I, That's I, true. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been anywhere. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. Any other travel experiences well, that have shaped your writing um, or in the past? Experiences. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been to Ukraine a couple of times, yeah. also because of the theater company, and um, yeah. and we went to a book festival there once because um, we had something out there, this anthology of um, oh yeah, the, I, the the anthology of work that we had translated um, for the shows, and it was bilingual, and they published it there. It was pretty cool. So was there? Um, what was your? What? How did you gravitate towards? I guess yeah, Moscow, uh, Russian culture, Ukrainian culture. Uh, what was that? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, where, where did that's that? interesting. Well, actually, I met the artistic director of the company when I was still at Barnard, and she was like um, getting her master's uh, in directing, and I was in her thesis project, and then we also worked on uh, uh, this festival of political plays, and she was the assistant director for the um, director for those shows and I, I was the stage manager and I was in the ensemble like acting in, in like one of the shows or maybe two and so I met her there and then when she started to direct on her own and she's Ukrainian American but she was born in New Jersey but she's Ukrainian American and um, she wanted to start her own company but first she was, she was working on this Polish play which is interesting that had like she was doing a reading of it and uh, and it had these poetic sections and they had been translated, but she wasn't happy with the translation. And so she knew I was a poet and she had heard me read and she liked my work and she wanted to know if I could help fix the po- poetic sections of the, of the piece. And I said, okay. And so I did that. And that was the first time we worked together. And then after that, she said, oh, I'm really interested in staging poetry, which I was. And so we started this company, Yara Arts Group, oh, in order wonderful. to stage poetry and also uh, our interest in experimental theater and sort of doing pieces that were sort of um, composites of mm. like different materials and not like a straight play that was written before. Is there any mime work that you've ever done? Mime, or? no. I'm just trying to think of like Other than something that's so based in language I've and then something that mime. without words, if yeah. there's any, you know, like... The, the flip side of that because no. I, I mean yeah. that's big in was it Moscow but uh, well French France. and, and yeah. I thought yeah. there was some yeah yeah, yeah. the so, panic movement where was that the, 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 the panic theater movement um, I thought that was out in, in Moscow as well I don't know yeah it was interesting you mentioned as far as works go um, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf and I believe uh, oh yeah there was another one um, who's afraid of Virginia oh, Woolf yeah, you mentioned and the, the movie versions though you specifically specified and the Raising the Sun oh, uh, yeah. so you tell us a little bit about like how is how was those works really connected to you or, or was it because we asked the question uh, 
was one, uh, what is some work, sir, that you feel like everyone in the world should experience? All right, and I couldn't so that think interested. of just one. Yeah, you think of you think several of them. <laughs> I had like yeah, yeah. six. But I was really I mean, interested in the... Virginia Woolf to start, yeah, if you, yeah. If you could. Oh, that, that one I like, I don't even, speaks to us It's one of well. my favorite, yeah. favorite movies, but I can't really say why it affects me so much. It, it's just really intense, and it's yeah. also intense about like interpersonal relationships and yeah. about like, you know the hell that like you know a marriage could be and like people creating their own sort of fictions within oh it's, it's amazing well you're, yeah. you're sitting with two people that that's how i met vj i, really? I understudied for the the role in that really? and that's what we got close but he knows he knows that play really Wait, which, well which role so for george uh, george so, so oh my god got to, yeah. you were you george and no, i was the director oh so, you directed so I, it. He, oh. I was understudying as george and we got oh. to do a reading with a girl i was kind of dating at the time too and, and it was just an george it, and very interesting and, yeah. exploration oh of it yeah. Um, yeah. That. Wait a minute. What were the other two characters? Uh, honey. Honey. And then what's Nick, the Nick? Nick yeah. Nick. Nick. Yeah. Oh my god. Nick, yeah. Sick. It's cool. so interesting. Like my take on it is basically like how, mm. like the pathology of like you know even love can get so deep that mm. it almost like hits like you just are with the person regardless of what pathology they have. You know you're there there for them like regardless and you're, and you're trying to work out mm-hmm. all that bond you know like whatever 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 rocky road terrain it is you're willing to really go deep with the person uh which is very interesting because they they go so deep that you know it's like you think that they're um gonna break up or something like that but then it's like they've, they've gone past that into this psychic you know underworld you yeah. know yeah. yeah right where they make up a child yeah, no, yeah. And that's yeah. Some, somewhat keeping them together exactly it just exactly. seems like they were they were reenacting like the same sort of trauma over and over again yeah. for you know trying to sort of have it work out better every time but it never did like, yeah yeah they, they, they were gonna do the there was a revival right before pandemic where we had yeah we to got see tickets it. to go see it yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah but now oh. that i kind of think about it like imagine like a pandemic style oh, version yeah. of, it too, of the couple that forced amazing. into quarantine yeah. together. Yeah. Like that's that's the setup for it. Yeah. yeah. Whether they could that 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 could be an interesting. Yeah, it sounds take similar on. to you know like um Bergman's scenes from A Marriage. Which yeah. They're, oh know, yeah, the re- redoing they're, they're that redoing. too. I haven't yeah. seen it. Have you seen the? I watched the first two. Yeah, really? So far. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. I love that actor. Uh, Oscar Isaac, oh, yes, who's Oscar. who's phenomenal too. Yeah. yeah, I just saw him in like the Card Counters. Oh, me too. Really which it. I which I caught the uh, <laughs> Schrader new Schrader Schrader film. Yeah, so um, yeah that was that's... the first thing I'd seen in a theater, like in a movie theater. Oh, nice. Just, uh, yes, I just got to see uh, the new Matt Damon Ben Affleck Last Duel. Really? Which was good. Oh. We yeah. could make this into a film review oh, yeah, show. For you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is about you. Ra- Raisin oh, in the yeah, Sun. Like Raisin in the Raisin Sun. In the yeah. sun. Oh, I Excellent. love Raisin in the Sun. Sydney Portier. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I just love the acting and I love like the, you know, Lorraine Hansberry and her words and the, the situation. And um, I don't know. I was just like very affected by it. And, yeah. I remember I, I taught, I was just starting to teach this in high school when I was a uh, high school teacher. And I was really getting into like the scene descriptions, how like you can learn a lot about the, the psychology of the play based on how in the play itself, how they describe or set up the scenes. And, uh, it's very interesting because I think that's a, like a close reading of like, uh, you know, how, how the, 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 uh, environment 
um, informs the, the the characters and the mm-hmm. and the and the action and, mm-hmm. and all this kind of thing and 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 how we can learn a lot from in any book uh, how the how the scene is set mm-hmm. is one of the most important things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, in the sun. do you know there's a musical version of Raisin in the Sun called Raisin? It's a Broadway musical. Oh, I thought oh, wow. there's some really beautiful songs in it. Yeah, now Broadway's reopened in the past, what, since since uh, September or something? Or? Yeah, yeah, but pretty recent, yeah. more and more pretty shows recently, opening. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 trying to maybe catch something this this week. Yeah, uh, good, good. I can. What are you going to see? I, uh, I want to see the Neil Brennan show, the one-person show, Unqualified. Um, uh, well, a friend just got tickets to the American oh. Utopia. The, the <gasps> oh, Baby we're going to see that. Yeah, that, that. Yeah. So, Have you, did you see I it? just you watched some of the movie version because oh. they bought well, the tape right. version of the show. But yeah. I, oh, but, I really want to yeah. see that. Yeah. I love yeah. yeah. It's just, this, just a shot of kind of positivity ah, and that sort of thing. It. Yeah. The burn. <laughs> um, so so what well you you mentioned the dream was your first book let's go into kind of now the second one wake up calls, uh, calls yeah. uh, wake up calls wake up calls wake up calls was uh, book 66 one 66 morning poems yeah one. oh wonderful um and then the second one oh, is um and what was kind of a focus on uh, this one that you were field of wanting poems of desire so i tried to yeah <laughs> i tried to you know uh sort of canvas every aspect of desire um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's like I'm looking at the book now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, re- to relive where you were and that. So now this is desire as it relates to you. Desire as it relates to uh, different couple type pairings in general. Like yeah. Well, just sort of every aspect. Every of aspect it. of yeah, desire. Any aspect, or I don't know, as many as, as I could. Uh, think of yeah looking at the sections your last illusion um oh that was like a series of sonnets uh this the first section is called your last illusion but included is like the sonnet series your last illusion or breakup sonnet so it's like a well that was like yeah a series of sonnets about the evolution of a relationship in you know leading to the breakup (laughs) right yeah Yeah. so so sonnets i mean that's my 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 area of oh, uh, right. fondness yeah. for sure. What was your first kind of connection to it? the sonnet? Was it Shakespeare or did you have some other kind of? Well, yeah, probably Shakespeare. But then I think like I didn't really think of writing my own sonnets until a time at Naropa and mm. Bernadette Mayer was there and I was sitting in her class and she gave an assignment to write like a contemporary sonnet. And I just got stuck and I said, I don't know, what's that? Like, how would I do that? And then, like, eventually, um, oh, I read Ted Berrigan's sonnets. Yes, yes. And yeah. that's in this series was inspired by his sonnets and the oh. way he sort of, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was for me, too. These fragmentary sort of sonnets and bringing, well, including everything again, like, you know, the time of day, the time of night, and what you're eating or drinking and what you're seeing and feeling and, um, and all of that and bringing it into the poem. Right, yeah. It wasn't just about love. I mean, it, yeah, it brought in yeah. some of those other other aspects. Well, why, maybe why do you think the sonnet is a good form for, though, expressing uh, love, expressing kind of romant- romantic feelings? Or, oh, my God, I don't know. I mean, it means songs. <laughs> is it the rhythm why of you it? Is it? I'm just asking if you, if you like, why, you know, you gravitated it well, towards it from them, but while you're writing it, does it feel like, like, this this is the best way to encapsulate these thoughts. 
well, it's short, you know, and it's concise, concise, and there's a structure, and it sort of works like an essay in a way it's supposed to, you know, there's like you know, this sort of intro and beginning, and it like, you know, flows to some kind of, some kind of conclusion, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Form. You like to read a poem or two from there? Or oh. That one? <laughs> now I feel like I have to read that, but I was going to read yeah. something else. Yeah, you can read something else, yeah. Or two. It's okay, yeah. Yeah, whatever you like. Whatever you I like. don't know. I yeah. don't know what to read. You have something uh, <laughs> like a uh, bookmark there, right? So, yeah. Oh, because like I don't know. You're asking me the politics question, and because this is like the truth to power show, and you asked me like, uh, yeah, the personal is like, what does the personal is political? Yeah, mean, like that whole thing. And I said, and this is like the only political overtly political poem i've ever written sure maybe sure. can read that one yeah <laughs> let's, great. let's do it um yeah it's called i don't know if you heard it's called this is an angry poem have you guys heard i that believe one? i've heard it you did. did you do it at the poetry festival i don't know the outdoor one maybe not i don't know if i did or not it's like a it's a list poem let's hear it uh this is an angry poem i am not a primordial princess I am not a jazz expert. I am not an exotic adventurer. I'm not a great tap dancer. I am not an outstanding athlete. I'm not a criminal. I am not a sex fiend. I'm not the other woman. I'm not an inappropriate choice. I'm not an embarrassment. I'm not a trophy for the radically chic. I'm not a radical politico. I'm not a crusader. I'm not a revolutionary. I'm not a southern accent. I am not a nice white boy's fantasy. I'm not a rapper. I am not fluent in black English. I am not a symbol of integration. I am not a token anything. I'm not your black friend. I'm not your black girlfriend. I'm not an expert on Harlem. I'm not more white than black. I'm not assimilated. I'm not your secretary. I'm not your gateway to Africa. I am not the voice of black America. I'm not the other. I'm not a threat. I'm not a typical anything. I am not the black experience. I am not to be pitied. I am not to be praised unnecessarily. I am not a decoration. I am not the keeper of ancient wisdom. I am not a part of your mythology. I am one black woman. Thank you. Yes. Very beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. that uh... Yeah, that was good. It's so good I... to like, uh, you know, get that. You get the anger out and get that, like, you know, get the expression of, like, how the perception of, like, oneself and how we fit within that larger context and be able to, you know, express our individuality, individuate and express ourselves in a way that kind of bucks against the kind of expectations that some people have. You know, some people have certain perceptions or expectations and we want to be able to, you know, not not have that influence us in our psyche. We want to have our, our own our own sense of self, you know. I think is the main thing, like our own sense of like identity. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'd like you to e- echo what what where you were in writing that before we oh, put God. our own imprint on oh, it. God. Yeah, it's on like, that. I don't know yeah. if I want to tell. It's like yeah. a really personal story. I could tell. If you, if yeah, you, if you're <laughs> um, this is like a long time ago, and I was like um, hanging out with some friends, and I had gone to see this this punk band, and and, you know, I knew somebody was playing in it and then 
we went back for a party afterward at their place or something. And but I hadn't met the the lead singer. And they were saying, "Oh, you'd really like him, and he'd really like you, and like like he really loves black women." And then uh, it, it like made right. me think, "What?" It's like he hasn't even met me, and he's gonna love me just because I'm black. That's yeah. like really weird. And this sort of like this idea of like exotic, you know, sort of woman of color and the fetishism of that whole thing yeah. like really made me angry yeah. <laughs> so I wrote that poem but then I met him and it turns out he was a really nice guy so. nice right <laughs> I said to it wasn't that, like that, that at all story, it was just but, a, but, but actually is. it was this other person's perception right. of him that gave me this idea that he was into just sort of the surface and stereotypes and that I didn't want to know him that's so and yeah I guess it works both ways on that yeah I, I was thinking when you did it too like how not only on the uh, kind of a race experience, but just as poets too, like the trope is the I am poem of just I am, I am, and to yeah. flip it with the I am not uh, yeah. definitely the things that sometimes get unsaid, but you, you learn more full, yeah, uhness of that, of that person from some of the things that, they, that they're, that they're not um, just a good, good prompt than just the straight I am. Yeah. Um, and you were going to do, can we go from I, I am nots to I ams if you uh, use a sonnet, if it's written in iambic pentameter or not. But, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, actually, yeah. though, it was reminding me of something else. I don't know if I oh, can sure. find it. It's uh, yeah. in the new book. Mind, honey, I'm pretty. Oh, here. It's called Identity. So ah. that reminded me. Where is it? Sort of doing the opposite kind of thing. I like that you're putting you're putting words to the searching uh, process. <laughs> we're, we're live on air, and and Wanda is is looking for oh, the yes. poem. Yeah. But I like the play, but yeah. we're kind of hearing the interior yeah. monologue a little bit uh, as you go through it. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Yeah, I talk to myself all the time. Okay. That's good. Uh-huh. I'm busted. That's okay. Here, um, identity. Uh, I am no longer woman. Can that be possible? I am no longer woman. I am all woman. I am all women. Can that be possible? I am no longer black. Can that be possible? I am all race. I am all races. Can that be possible? I am no longer being. I am all being. I am all beings. Being human. Can that be possible? I am no longer human. I am all human. I am all humans. Being human, can that be possible? I'm no longer I. Can that be possible? I am no longer. I am no. I am I. No. Nice, nice. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. So, so it's uh, that's kind of a companion piece to the to the other one a little bit. Of I am, I am not. I am no longer. Yeah. So um, the language I seems to mirror some of the. Some of the tr- some of the uh, ideas, the way you kind of expressed it, at least. Like, yeah. were you conscious of the previous one that you read in the other book when writing this, or this is a fresh take of kind of like, are there is there a link between those two? Do you no, think? no, I don't think so. so. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, not consciously. Right. It's yeah. Just the way it came out, and then I realized, oh, that's just like that other one, but different. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's all percolating in the same. Of, yeah. You know. Same. Pot. Uh, pot, yeah, it's um, a mental pot. brew, yeah. yeah, if you I, will. 
So, so I'd like to yeah, speak kind of of this, the overall topic of, I guess, inclusivity and, and as a poet, the, you know, you, you strike me definitely where I see the things that the places you're performing at, the, the locations where, um, a lot of different types of venues, right? You have kind of that theater and the poetry world, you know, but there's also, you know, maybe more performance poets, there's stage poets, um, you know, is there any particular, I guess, you, you don't want to limit yourself to one type of venue, but, but somewhere that, that, you know, you feel at home uh, when you are kind of performing like, you know, like, like, uh, all right, this, this feels like my community of, of artists. Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I have a huge stage fright, so I have to like rev myself up to do it. And it doesn't matter where it is, it's always the same. But once I'm doing it, it feel you know, it feels good. But um I don't know. In most places where there's poetry, there's usually lots of other poets in the audience, so we're always reading for ourselves anyway. So Yeah. Right. Because I, I was just thinking, you know, I mean, like you say you know, like I'm not hip hop, I'm not, or these things, these venues, um, you know, would you consciously not go to those venues or, you know, bring what it is that you have your artistry to some of venue? Like, let's say it happens to be a venue that is predominantly just black or a, predom- uh, a venue that just uh, is political minded. Mm-hmm. Um kind of that no i'll read my poetry anywhere (laughs) yeah right anywhere it is yeah it would be cool to read someplace that you know uh or i would be doing something different you know and bringing that to that space so yeah um is that what you mean yeah yeah i I just was (laughs) looking if there was any ones in particular though that you feel more at home with or or, you said you said no which um, I don't know. I, I like that. All right, I do feel like, I like this is my in community. Bars that are kind of like you know right. down East the East Village. I lived there for like six years or something, and then I worked at the Poetry Project for maybe four years, and so like downtown spaces are comfortable for me, like right. the East Village, because yeah, yeah, the more I guess it's kind of like bohemian or like, I don't know what you okay. call it, right? Beat like echoes of the beat generation to, 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 to <laughs> some it's a fun post beat echoes of the beat generation because i yeah like i i like going to a venue where it feels all like there's multiple styles happening mm-hmm. but often as you see there is certain venues around new york or, or whatever that it falls into all right only this type of poetry is going to happen here mm-hmm. right and it's up to you to go there to maybe break the mold and, and try something that's a little bit a little bit different um so yeah, I mean that I don't know if it's unfortunate or tends to happen, um, but yeah, you know the best the best ones are kind of those alternative type venues that mm-hmm. that all all types of things you see it in comedy rooms a little bit where there's like the alternative comedy but a lot of different styles. Yeah. Run. yeah. Um, oh yeah, like recently I did that Bushwick Book Club oh, right, thing at, right. the, at the Red Room. Mm. Were you there? Yeah. Oh, I was. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to the yeah. first one before oh, yeah, they did. Oh, so somebody actually adapted one of your poems. Right? Yeah, it yeah. was uh, this, the Poets of Queens anthology. They were all uh, writing songs inspired by the poems in the anthology. So you know, I had a few in there, and then like I had like three three of them sort of converted into musical pieces. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Which is cool. Yeah. Like two that were songs. 
And then when I got to sing um, with yeah. the, the songwriter on, he made me. And then, <laughs> and then another, um, there's like a comedian, like stand-up comedian and performance person. And she wrote something inspired by it and had like the whole band backing her up. On mm. it. So it was fun. I love that. The crossover of art forms too is just so exciting. Yeah. That's great. That was a nice night, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. Really it was really good. good. Yeah, we'll have the uh, Bushwick Bush Club book club um, person there, Susan. Susan, he's going to come on to the show in oh, November. Cool. She's great. Yeah. So, as a reminder, this is the Truth to Power show on Radio for Brooklyn. You're listening to Radio for Brooklyn, independent listener supported radio. Um, Radio for Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community, promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. <clears throat> We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us continue to stay on air and, and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at readybooklin.org slash donate. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to donate in a way that costs you nothing, go to readybooklin.org slash Amazon and register RFB as your Amazon Smile charity. Every time you shop, a percentage of your shelves will go to benefit Ready for Brooklyn. If you'd like to listen to Radio Brooklyn when you're on front of your computer, if you're listening in front of your computer, please download our free mobile apps for iPhone or Android. Go to the App Store for iPhone or Google Play Store for Android. Um, also, finally, like keep up with our um, monthly newsletter by going to radioforbrooklyn.org slash newsletter, and you can find out about new programming, upcoming RFB events. Um, yeah, and you, put your, you can get an occasional email from us. So thanks so much. Um, so we have about five more minutes left, so we can just go over some stuff. Like maybe we can talk a little bit about um, like your experiencing the pandemic and and how that kind of uh, and how what impact that had. And as we start to as we start to wind down, anything anything comes up for you as far as like um, oh yeah, yeah. What were yeah. some ways that that you found yeah. to manage mental health and and kind of uh, you know writing a, a, is always helpful uh, yeah. for a writer, but for ways that you know maybe some challenges maybe that you faced or or things that you found to be helpful mm, i started playing guitar again that was really fun oh, <laughs> playing good, guitar yeah. and singing yeah. it's like really fun and long walks i watched a lot of movies yeah <laughs> and let's see i journaled a lot journaling yeah good. and then when so journaling being something you're not intending really to share yeah, right. like for myself. But then often, like, you know, poems might come out of it, like good yeah. lines will pop out and go, oh, I can use that. Yeah, it's good just to, like, write out your own process and kind of scaffold your own process and, and kind of, like, uh, kind of understand what's going on in one's own head, you know, to understand, like, how we're, you know, I think that even with therapy and such, like, like uh, I find, like, I'm studying therapy and also I go to therapy and mm-hmm. I find it's helpful to, like, just to kind of speak out your process and like how helpful to like think about like how when something happens and I have a feeling or emotion is like how do I where how to get to that feeling or emotion is like helpful to think about. I think for my perception of journaling is like that kind of like articulation of that internal process, I think. And poetry too, of course, we we explore that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Our relationships and how how we get to those places, those emotional places. Mm, right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, is writing mood dependent for you? Where, all right, you you need to feel a certain way to create, or you have a practice that you will continually create. 
Well, <laughs> the idea is that, yes, I will continually create, but it doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> yeah. Blocks or whatever. <laughs> I get like blocks and yes, disturbances. But then I, like I journal or I don't know. Pull out the tarot cards. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, actually, during the pandemic, I took an online lucid dreaming oh, workshop. Look which at that. Great. Nice. Yeah. And it gave us all these different techniques bring and it full circle. pretty wild, you know, wild things to do, like to practice when you're awake, like poking your hand with your finger and then, and then, or looking at your hand, the back and the front. And then, if we practice that when you're awake, then try to get yourself to do it when you're asleep. Ah, and when you turn your hand around when you're sleeping, for some reason your mind isn't as quick and it doesn't sort of like, you can't see your hand um, clearly as fast as you can in real life. You, you know, there's kind of a glitch, like in the Matrix right? or something, there's a glitch because yeah. it's not real life. And then if your your finger goes through your hand, then okay, I'm dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that's like an on ramp to the lucid dreaming a little bit if you if you do the do the hand thing. Yeah. Yeah. New Matrix movies coming or out. Jump too. up and down. Yeah. Or jump up and down before right before sleep, you're saying? No, like just during the day. And then you remember that sensation and then you oh, might gosh. repeat it in your dream. But then if you're dreaming you could, you know, end up flying or jumping really high or like you know that you're you know, not within like the real life parameters. Got it, got it. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, so let's, you know, you, you mentioned that the three books, where can people find more, a little bit about you, uh, get a hold of these, these books, um, see, have, see some upcoming, uh, engagements that you might have as well? Um, I have a website, which is mindhoney.com, and my books are on Amazon. And, um, Something coming up? Is that what you're asking? Sure. Yeah. Another yeah. maybe engagement that you have. Uh, or... Well, I'm doing uh, a, a book festival in Easton, Pennsylvania. Oh, cool. Next weekend. You'll have a booth and kind of sit there and, and talk know. to we're some, gonna some folks. We're going to read and they said bring, they we're going to have books. And a reading <laughs> there are going to be a lot of books and we're going to read. Yeah, good. So. Yeah. And then Scott and I are actually hosting the Nine Cloud Journal Public Reading October 23rd at 1 p.m. at King Manor Museum in Jamaica. So if anybody wants to come out to Jamaica, Queens, uh, October 23rd at 1 p.m., King Manor Museum, definitely look it up. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we're about to end. So uh, we'll just any final thoughts on anyone or. Yeah. What what uh, what's what's else a thought for the day uh, or any the moment the, yeah, that, the, that the, we have um, the day um, or a word. Joy is good. Joy, I like Joy, that. Yeah. Joy, is both good. the movie with uh, what was her name? Uh, what? the movie Joy about like the cleaning detergent. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, uh, really? Jennifer, what's her name? Jennifer Lawrence, right? Lawrence, yeah, and, yeah. and Bradley Cooper. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's yeah. called Joy, really? So yeah, that's good that as one. well as just joy. Thank you. All right, guys, thanks so much.